is the Big Church Podcast. Give a big church welcome to Ryan Flanagan. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. I'm excited to be here. You excited to be here? This side looks great. How about over here? You guys look great too? Okay. Great. Good to see you. Um, listen, do you like who's sitting behind you this morning? Just look at them deep in their eyes. Say, hey, you. I saved that seat for someone else. But you took it. It's all right. We'll, we'll work with it. It's all good. Well, thank you so much for being here this morning. Uh, here at Big Church, we love you so much. Again, we are just thankful that you're in the house today. Um, I'm married. I'm married, and uh, my wife is here with me, and she has made my life magical, Disney magical, and I love her so much. Um, and because I loved her the right way, God blessed her to give me two beautiful boys, Journey Lee Flanagan and Paxton James. They're both amazing kids. And then uh, happening in May, my wife is going to give birth to our first little girl. I'm real excited about it. Uh, and I prayed about it. I prayed real hard for one girl, uh, mainly because I want someone to love me as much as my boys love their, love their mother. And so it's actually quite selfish. <laughs> I'm not apologizing, though. Um, thank you for being here today. Um, if you could do me a favor, turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. I'm going to drink some water, too, if that's okay with y'all. <clears throat> Water's good. Um, and while you're turning there this morning, if you don't have a Bible or you do have a Bible, I just want to go ahead and draw some attention to your leadership. Uh, Pastor Rich and Mindy, what they're doing here. I just leaned over during worship and said, I love you guys so much for pouring in uh, to this generation of people. It's just so amazing. Can you give them a round of applause? Come on. You could do better than that. They are amazing. I love you guys so much. I do. I really do. I told her, I said, when I grow up, I want to be just like y'all. You know what I mean? I really do. And so um, I'm so excited to be here again. So um, without any further ado, let's go right to the Bible because I got a lot of ground to cover and I want to get it done quickly because when the letters start flashing red, <clears throat> they might cut my mic off. Hello. <laughs> All right. So let's go to 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21. Uh, and I'm going to read it. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can look back on the screen. It should be there for you. It says, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Say that three times. Shaphat, Shaphat, Shaphat. He was plowing with a 12th yoke of oxen. He himself was driving the 12th pair. So what we see here immediately is there's this guy named Elisha working for his daddy's business. His daddy had a plow business. He said, listen, dad, uh, I'm in between jobs right now. I quit my sophomore year of college. <laughs> And I need some money. Uh, and I don't have a girlfriend. Clearly, he's single uh, because he's been doing it all day, right? So this guy is working in his dad's business. And then here's what it says. It says, Elijah went up and threw his coat around him. And then Elisha left his oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said. And then I will come with you. So what happens is you have this guy named Elisha working on the plow. And then this guy named Elijah comes and he throws his coat on him. 
Now, this is the equivalence of a guy named Ryan looking for a guy named Brian, okay? Same name, just different, right? So this guy comes up to Elisha and he throws his coat on him. Now, this is symbolic for saying, hey, listen, I'm getting ready to pass you my mantle. Who I used to be is now who you are going to become. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to throw this on you. And this guy said, oh, my goodness, I was just working in my dad's plow, and now I've got promise. Sometimes that's how it happens in life. Sometimes you're just working, and God just comes right in the middle of your work and says, listen, I've got a plan for you. And so this is what's happening with Elisha. Um, and then it says, Elijah told him, go back. What have I done to you? And so he's like, wait, you just gave me a call. He's like, dude, come on. What have I really, you don't even know what this is about, yeah. right? And... This is off topic, but this is kind of on topic, so follow me here. Sometimes we have a tendency to follow things before we even do the education on it. We live in a follow me first generation. We tell everybody to follow us and aren't going anywhere. Okay. Pause. Anyway. So here we have Elijah said, what have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them, morbid. Um, he burned the plow and equipment to cook the meat and gave it to people. Okay, that was nice. And then they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah to become his servant. So what you see here is Elisha working. And then all of a sudden, a guy says, listen, you were made more for this. You were made more for this. Like, I have so much more for you. And I'm going to throw my coat on you. And if you follow me, I got something for you. And then he says, all right, well, let me go kiss my mom and dad goodbye. I said, listen, bro, you don't even know what I'm about to do. You're about to go kiss your mom and dad goodbye. And so Elisha does something incredible. He goes back and he burns his oxen and his plow. Why is that important? Because he burnt his second option. He burned his second option. He didn't have anything to go back to. See, a lot of us would like to have something to fall back on. When God says, go do something, we're like, ah, okay, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to keep this thing, thing back here. Because if I can keep this going, just in case this doesn't work out, I always got something to go back to. Elisha does something incredible here. He says, listen, God is getting ready to send me on a journey, and I'm getting ready to burn up my second option. I'm getting ready to burn up my, fall, my fallback plan. I'm getting ready to burn this thing up, which brings me to my title this morning. I'll keep the car running. I'll keep the car running. Look at your neighbor say, I'll keep the car running. Let me pray real quick. Let me tell you how we're going to do this. I'm going to read the scripture, which I've already done. I'm going to break the scripture down, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a conversation. Feel good? Okay, because I don't know any other way to do it. Okay, (laughs) let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your love and for your grace. God, I thank you for big church. But more importantly, Jesus, I'm so thankful that with your arms stretched either way, you became the bridge that would allow us to cross over from death into life. Thank you for that. God, and I am but a vessel. Use me in every way that you can. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I love weddings. Anybody love weddings? I love weddings. Um, Weddings are so much fun because you get to go see two people who fell in love give their lives to each other, and then you get to dance and eat all kinds of good food. That's like the best day ever, right? 
And because I'm a pastor, I get to do a lot of weddings. I get to perform and officiate, you know, a lot of weddings. And um, I love doing weddings, man. And you get to see people dressed to the nine and they're on their worst behavior on the dance floor. It was like, oh, girl, I thought you were saved. <laughs> Whoa, what happened? Lose religion, right? You know what I'm saying? And so, I love weddings for that purpose. I love to get to just hang out. It's a great atmosphere, so much fun. And then, um, maybe, though, there's this moment, and if you're not married, you don't know this part yet, but there's this point that I really, really am interested to sit back and stare at. Uh, it's this point right before you get married, and the butterflies are churning in your stomach, and you can't tell if it's last night's meal or, you know... <laughs> And you're nervous and you start getting cold feet. And you start thinking about all the things that you don't like about this person. Like, am I really about to get married to this dude? <laughs> he ain't even clean his nails this morning, my God. Like, what is going on? Do I really, am I really about to do this? Man, she really got on my nerves two weeks ago. Do I really wanna, <laughs> I'm nervous. And, you get cold feet, and the funny thing is there's always somebody in your family or close to you who can see it. And maybe you've been this person who's nervous, maybe you've been the person in the family, or maybe you've just said this to someone. But the person always who notices your cold feet will come up to you and say, listen, I know you love them. I know you care about her. But if you don't want to go through with this thing, I got the car running out back. And if you say the word, just give me the signal. Just yell out banana. We'll get in the car and we will drive off into the sunset and you will never, ever have to see any of these people ever again, right? And as funny as that story may seem, the reality of it is, is that you're planning an escape route before you actually get in route. You're looking for a way out before you actually get in. And this concept or idea can actually serve as a defense or protection from potential letdown. Because the reality of it is, is that nobody likes to be let down. But life's experiences has taught us otherwise because life has disappointed us. Maybe you've been in a relationship previous to the one that you're in and you've been disappointed. Maybe you've been in a marriage before and it disappointed you and it came with a lot of heartache and a lot of pain and rather than see this thing all the way through us planners out there we like to have contingency plans well if this don't work at least I got this way out at least I got this way out because we don't like to be disappointed and rather than be disappointed again we would rather escape early and anything early is premature, and anything premature is deemed unhealthy. Yeah. My wife is pregnant, and in pregnancy, you're supposed to be pregnant for nine months. Anything previous to the nine months is deemed premature, and anything deemed premature is unhealthy. If you try to get out of something too early, it is deemed unhealthy. You can't try to get out of stuff premature. 
We take this unhealthy concept into all areas of life and decision making. So we say things like, we ain't dating, we just talking. Well, just a way out. You know, we ain't, I mean, you know, I want all of that, but not all of that. You know? Or maybe we say something like, you know, maybe we just won't buy the house, even though God's called us to this city. We'll just rent for a while because if things don't work out, at least we can get out of our lease and we can go to another city and be okay. Or maybe we just say, hey, girl, let's go ahead and get this prenup. Because if we get the prenup and then we find out five years later down the road that we don't like each other, then you can leave with your stuff and I can leave with my stuff and we can cut all losses. We can be good. But let's think about this for a moment and how backwards that is. See, we want all of the benefit and no commitment. I would rather not commit to anything full term. I would just like to reap the benefits of what a would-be commitment is. See, we're looking to get out of a season, actually, that we prayed to God for. Because just last week, this was the season that you wanted. God, I'm so excited about my new boyfriend. I just love him. I'm just so excited about this new girl, man. She gets me. She doesn't judge me, bruh. She totally digs me, man. She's into me, not just me, but me. She gets me, bruh. It's crazy. I've never been on a level like that with anyone. Not even my own mother, bro. She just loves me for me, right? We prayed for that. And then when the struggle comes, we are ready to quickly exit and say, God, please deliver me out of the season that I asked you to deliver me into. Put me, get me out of here. Even though I asked you to be in this, now I want out. Because I don't want to be committed for that long. Commitment is tough. More or less, commitment is something. Oh, this just hit me. Commitment is something that you control. Because you can negotiate terms and commitment. It is when you are fully submitted. Where you are no longer in control, but the other person is. It's much like our relationship with Jesus. A lot of times people commit their lives to Jesus, but don't submit it. And so you have a lot of people who have salvation, but no revelation. I'm done. Okay. So here's what's happening. We take this unhealthy concept into every area in decision making. We want no commitment and all the benefit. And we're looking to get out of the season that we pray God to let us in. But God who brought you into the season is going to bring you out of the season stronger, faster, and better than you've ever been before. But we want all the benefit and none of the commitment. It's kind of like Christians who want to call themselves Christians but still live like pagans. It's okay. You don't have to clap. I know it's difficult. I get it. I want to be saved, but I don't want to be saved. The reality of it is, is if you say that you're saved, what are you exactly saved from if you're still doing the same thing? I'm saved from what? <laughs> You're still doing the same stuff. Yep. All right. Come on. Come on. It's not a tagline. It's not an asterisk that you can put at the end of your name. It's actually a lifestyle change. Yes. 
And this kind of thinking has even crept into the way we view marriage and relationships. When we make a promise to other people in front of God, we have now entered a covenant with them. And that covenant is sealed by the Holy Spirit. And when I say I do before man and in the sight of God, I am saying that I choose, listen, I choose to love you on your best day and your worst day. I choose to love you on leg day. I choose to love you on your birthday. I choose to love you on the you get on my nerves day day, right? That's a choice, right? Watch what Numbers 30 and 2 says. It says, if a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall now not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth, right? Like, you just need to be honest, okay? Let your yeses be yes. Your yes, if you say yes to something, that means you have to say no to something else. I can't be married and still try to live single. It doesn't work that way. I can't say that I'm a Christian and still not live like a Christian, right? If I say yes to something, that's me saying no to something else. A full yes, watch this, requires commitment. And commitment requires stamina. And stamina requires energy. I need energy. I need, I need energy. But here's the reality. I don't always possess the natural energy to check off all the yeses that I committed to on my wedding day. I don't always possess that. And so sometimes I need something more. When my natural strength fails me, I need something super to enhance my natural. So sometimes I have to sit in my driveway after a long day of work. Anybody working here? Come on. Anybody don't got bills in here? Right. <laughs> Can I do what you're doing? <laughs> I have to sit in the driveway after a long day, after I'm tired and exhausted, and I don't have any strength left to be a good dad, to be a good husband, to do any of the things that I'm supposed to do. I have to sit in my driveway and say, God, I don't got this. But that's where I love the scripture, where it always says, therefore, I am well content with weakness and insults and distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. Because when I am weak, that's when he's made strong. So when I don't have the capacity to be a good husband, God does. He says, listen, move out of the way. I'll give you my strength. You don't got the strength. I can do it through you. I can love my wife the way that I need to. Watch what Matthew 5.37 says. It says, but let your yeses be yes and your noes be no. For whatever is more or less than these is from the evil one. Right? I need to be able to say yes and no. Like my yes to my wife needs to be yes to my wife, which means that I need to sometimes put my phone down. Sometimes it doesn't look like I get what I want. Sometimes it looks like me saying yes to the things that she wants, and sometimes it doesn't look like me saying yes to the things that I want. But sometimes we don't have the energy to make it work the way we need to make it work. We don't have it. We have to rely on God in that moment. And so when we're relying on God, sometimes things don't go according to plan. Uh, Anybody uh, in here ever have a day where even after you pray to God, say, God, give me strength, nothing happens? 
<laughs> Look, everybody's like, that's right now. I'm about to fall asleep. <laughs> right now. I need coffee. It's in the lobby. <laughs> and so you don't have it. You don't have it. You don't have that, that energy that you need. And so then you begin to take things home with you. And then the energy that you need to let go of things in your past or in previous conversations, you don't let it go. And then you take offense, yeah. right? Anybody ever been offended before? Yeah. Can I tell you something about offense? It's a personal choice. You choose to be offended. Watch this. You're in control of your offense. It's like a self-destruct button. Anybody ever watch like space shows? Okay. Oh, there's one, there's one guy in the back. Thank you. Thank you, too. Okay, perfect. I don't feel like the only nerd. It's like, I thought this was Comic-Con. Okay. But on the ship, right? There's a button, it's a self-destruct button. And you know what's crazy about the self-destruct button? Is the only person who knows where it is is the person who's the captain of the vessel, right? And so you can't very well say, well, they always push my buttons. No, 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 no. It's a choice that you're pushing. That's your button. No one can push your button, but you can push your button. You can let that go. Offense is a choice. An offense is often an obstacle that will cause us to abstain from fulfilling our marital duties. If I'm offended, I can't be the husband that you need because I'm mad at you. Because I would rather let my pride be bigger than our relationship. Can I tell you how? Lindsay, by nature, by God's uh, beautiful design, her love language is physical touch. Clearly, because we have three kids. Hey. Holla at your boy. Right? And by nature, for me, I am a quality time guy. But what happens is if we don't deal with the offense in our relationship... Now I'm mad at her, so I don't want to hold her because I'm upset. And because I'm upset with her, now she's upset with me because I didn't hold her. So the cycle continues, and now she don't want to spend no time with me. And because she's not spending time with me, now I got an attitude, and I'm upstairs. And so when she tried to come upstairs, I don't want to say nothing to her. So now I'm definitely not holding her. And if she's not holding me, then I'm upset with that, too, because I want some quality time. It's a vicious cycle. You want to know how to break the cycle? I'll tell you, become the change you want to see in your spouse. Become the change. A lot of times we say things like, uh, lead by example. I got a better one for you. How about you love by example? Sometimes loving people by example looks like putting yourself second. Your needs second, your desires second, your wants second. Instead of looking, because then if you're doing that like in your relationship, Instead of looking for a way out all the time, you'll start looking for a way through together. So many of us are trying to get that exit strategy. I got the car running. Because when things get bad enough, right, you're like, ooh, is this what I want for the rest of my life? Is this going to be okay? You don't need to get through it alone. You can get through it with Jesus according to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. You can get through it with Jesus Christ. Instead of looking for a way out, we need to start looking for a way through. And Elijah, Elisha rather, had to learn and apply these principles in a matter of seconds. He didn't really understand what was happening because Elijah interrupted his normal with something abnormal. That's what relationships do. Normally, you're selfish. Normally, you get up at 10 a.m. Normally, you stay out till 4 a.m. When you're married, you wake up at 6 and you end by 6. Okay? This is how it works. Because now I have a responsibility to my relationship. I can't live the same way that I was living when I was single. Because a lot of times people will look at it as restriction. That's a restriction, man. Man, I don't want to be, I don't want to be in a relationship. That's too restrictive for me, bro. I need my free time. I need to be able to do and come please as I want to. Sometimes people say the same thing with Christianity. I don't want to get saved, man. That's too much restriction. Can't do this, can't do that, can't say that, can't be here, can't be there. It's not restriction, it's responsibility. I have to be responsible to my commitment. And so Elisha had to kind of get this pretty early on. It's the perfect alliteration, actually, too, to what I'm seeing. Elijah interrupted Elisha's normal. He said, follow me for your destiny is connected to who I am. When you finally do engage in a relationship that's meaningful, understand that your destinies are connected. Your destinies are one. And it's the perfect illustration to Jesus and the things that will come. When Jesus said, Peter, follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. Ultimately to tell Peter that upon you, the rock, I will build my church. And watch this. This is so great. The church, which is an idea established by Jesus to give us the perfect picture of what? Marriage. It's all connected. But we have to remember that in order for us to see a full marriage... We have to start with obedience, obedience to God's word, obedience to what it says. It says, love your spouse as Christ loved the church. And let me show you this. Your obedience now can shape someone else's future, including your spouse. If I'm obedient now, it could shape this. Listen, single people, if you're obedient now, it can shape your spouse's future. If you're obedient now, it can shape your kid's future. If you're obedient now, it can shape your grandchildren's future. If you're obedient now, it can affect their children's 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 future. Obedience now affects the future. But we want gratification. I remember we want all the benefit, but none of the commitment. Elisha drops his normal for abnormal. His plow. He looks at it, says, this is, this is my backup plan. This is my 401k. I got time invested into this. And if I leave this now, I could just leave it here. I could just cover it up and I could come back to it. Let me just say something to you. If you have a backup plan in your phone, burn it. Burn his name. Well, we only been broke up for two months. Burn it. <laughs> we always like something that we could fall back on, a fallback plan. We would rather fall back on our plan than God's plan. Wow. 
because at least we know the details in our plan. That's the problem with God, right? He don't share nothing. Come on, God. You telling me to just go? Absolutely. Where? Mm-hmm. That's what God does. But we don't like that. We need details. The band could come. What I'm telling you today is burn your exit strategy. So many of us have that I'm going to leave the car on mentality. This is not just for marriage. This is for life. Get rid of that mentality. If God spoke the word over it, then you follow it. Elisha had to go back and say, I'm burning this up. I'm getting rid of this thing. This has nothing to do with my destiny. What you're doing now, your obedience now is going to affect your future. And as we close, I want to say this. You need to treat not just your marriage, but everything that God has called you to. You need to plan it like this. Till death do you part. I often tell Lindsay, it's till death do us part. So if you're thinking about leaving... You guys ever seen you on Netflix? <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but not, just dead serious. It's till death do us part, even when you feel like throwing in the towel. Year five for my wife and I was a very different year. It's very different. I'm sorry for going over. Can you not kick me out? Okay. Well, actually, it's not good. And let me tell you why. Because there's still people serving in the back who do kids ministry. And it's very hard to do kids ministry for a very long time. Because they have, it's funny but true, they have set, they have set things that they need to do in children's ministry. And so if we go over, then it stresses those people out. That's why it's important to get in the house and serve. So if you don't have anything to do on Sunday morning, kids is waiting for you. I digress. (laughs) Year five was tough for us. I'm going to wrap this up. Because we added a bunch of new elements into our life. We added a second child. I stepped out from being bivocational into doing full-time ministry. And in those moments, what was happening as the enemy knew that he couldn't get us with sin. He couldn't get us with sin. So what could he do? Oh, he can create busyness for us. And so while I'm busy over here, and while she's busy over there, we're getting attacked separately. And because we're so tired after a long, busy day, we're not having time to communicate about what's happening. We were hurting. And then we had a mind shift. Said it's about time that we start focusing in on us. The most important ministry that you will ever have in your entire life is your family. It's your family. So we came together. We reassembled. We said, babe, let's focus in on us. And we're doing great. 
so great that my wife is pregnant with our third kid. And in the midst of having our third kid, she's got two boys who drive her crazy. She works part-time and she had time to write a book because that's what we do. We come together. Year five, my job was to steward her. I stewarded my wife. She's a gift. Let me explain. Every person is a gift from God. Maybe not your gift. Maybe they're not your favorite person. Just because their breath stinks doesn't mean that they're not a gift. Okay? Every person is a gift from God to someone. Because everyone has parents. And maybe you say, I don't have parents. There's someone on this planet who loves you. I don't care what you think or what you might have heard. Someone on this planet loves you. You are a gift to someone. And because you are a gift to someone, that means we have to steward gifts properly. When you got a gift on Christmas, anybody like Christmas gifts? Hey, right? When you get a gift on Christmas and you're a child, you get that gift, say it's an Xbox, and somebody, that rowdy boy from next door wants to come play. What are you going to do? You're going to watch him with your gift because you want to make sure that he's stewarding it correctly and that I'm stewarding it correctly, right? Every person is a gift from God, a gift from above. My job is to let God watch me steward the gift that he gave me. That's your relationship. Listen, you say, well, Ryan, I don't have a wife. I don't have a spouse. I don't have a husband. Great. Then steward the relationships that you do have properly. Why don't you learn how to be a good son or a good brother, or a good sister, or a good cousin, or a good friend. Learn how to be great in those areas because God says that if I can trust you with little, then I can give you more. <laughs> steward what you got. And listen, my job is not to steward her gifts. That's her job. If I'm trying to steward her gifts, I'm sorry, but that's called pimping. My job is to steward her. And as we grow together, I'm so excited to see what God does. Can we stand to our feet? If you leave here this morning, I want you to remember one thing. Burn your exit strategies. Get rid of it. And the people that you have in your life right now, steward them properly. We're going to have people praying up here, left and right. So if you need prayer during this time, we invite you to come up. And I just want to pray over us as we enter this time of worship. Jesus, I thank you so much for every relationship. For those who are single, for those who are dating, for those who are engaged, for those who are married. It doesn't make a difference. God, I pray for those relationships. God, I ask that you would continue to strengthen them. God, give us the sight that we need to, give us the vision to see that it's your gift that you gave us and we need to steward it well. God, I pray for this church and this body of believers. God bless them. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church Podcast.